Come on, come all, come gather around. Come hear tales both lost and found. Finally, show not about true crime. It's David and Michael story time. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Story Time. I am and always have been David Miller. And I am only going by the moniker right now, but have all the reasons in the world to change at any time that I see fit, Michael Santel. Yay. Welcome. Hi, buddy. <laughs> hey, buddy. David, hey, I'm, I... having a mor- I'm having a morning. My morning's not been good. Oh, why not? You did seem kind of uh, less enthused when you got on the call today. It has nothing to do with this episode. It just has to do with technical shit. I have Uh a microphone that I Uh set up. It's very stressful. The Mac doesn't recognize the driver anymore. So I had to watch a YouTube video on how to allow my computer to allow third-party software. Oh, yeah. This is the only thing I've had to do for weeks, and it's so stressful. (laughs) You could have. So then I was like, I got to medicate myself so I got a little high but then sure. the banana and the coffee that I had earlier did not mix well with like the first like shotgun blast of the day so sure. then I threw up some coffee and banana so <laughs> so you've just had a morning I just had a lot going on I don't understand why I'm this stressed out nothing's happening no. there's no consequences man it's early morning on a pandemic Sunday I know happy pandemic Sunday to you yeah listen with all my woes of the world, thank God I'm not some royalty lost in the British countryside <laughs> somewhere I, just I'm, dealing with crazy people. I'm glad you think so. And do you remember where he actually is right now? He was at that house where the people were helpful to him and then the other people deflected and uh-huh. he ran away. Uh-huh. And then he met the old man, the hermit oh, in the woods. Oh, David. David, I completely forgot oh, about man. that. The hermit David, in the woods who turned he out met, to he's an archangel. He met <laughs> an archangel ex-pope who had been excommunicated, living in a hillside. The king thought, thank God. God, I get some respite. Nope, he is out of the frying pan and into the fire, David. Shit is not good. Yeah, and you remember the very moment we left off was the old man decided, oh, wait, that's the son of the king. If that's the son of the king, the king is who made me homeless all those years ago. So I'm going to kill him. And he, last we saw, it was while he was sleeping, he tied up the little prince. He, the little he king. hog-tied him. Uh-huh. And that's where we are. And that's it. Okay. All right. Let's see what happens. Uh, I think I might have predicted last time someone's going to come down the road and save him. You did. You predicted it's... that his friend, Miles Hendon, would come and save him. And I told you, that... because I was excited at your prediction, that the title of the next chapter is Chapter 21, Hendon to the Rescue. Okay. Uh, like, from a storyline For storyline purposes, I understand why this beat is happening. And I'm glad to know that my narrative skills are spot on. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also, like, how the fuck would he know that he was there? Like, what a crazy happenstance if this does work out the way that I think it does. As the knife came backwards through the door, Hendon came in with his shorty kids. I suppose you'll have to find out. Now, I am excited. I did just read all of these chapters very uh, shortly before this. Um, and it's, we're doing four chapters again today, but they're all pretty short. So it should actually mm. be it, just as long, if not shorter, than last week's even. David, I feel times. bad for our audience that quarantine hit and all we've been doing is tiny chapters. I did tiny there chapters. Well, I'm, you I'm did trying tiny to do the chapters. same length. I do it by about the same number of pages, but it's okay. just this one is split up into multiple chapters, whereas some of them have been 
long, long chapters. <laughs> so I've been playing that Final Fantasy VII remake right yeah, now. Yeah, you have. Uh, and one of the best parts about it is just the music and all the mm -hmm. redone music. Mm -hmm. So right now, I feel like we're in exciting music time. Like yeah. we're not in the we're not in the battle theme yet, but we're definitely no, in like the. There's definitely action happening here. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I've it could been playing be... lately? What have you been playing lately? Stardew Valley. Yeah, you're the second person to tell me about this fucking Stardew Valley. Man, People I'm are just, loving the Stardew I just, Valley. I am a farm person. I have look. I got plans for my farm. I'm in. But to be fair, you you're two. a farm boy. Farm yeah. video games got you when you were young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This it gives me all the Harvest Moon feels with just added depth and detail. I never got into those. I'm down with raising a monster though. If I have to like switch out, like Bro, put on a Charlie Angels disc to get some monster rancher shit. Because I, I went fishing and I got a dinosaur egg that I found. And I was like, oh, cool. So I donated it to the museum. But if I get another one, I found out I can put it in my chicken incubator and I can straight up just ranch dinosaurs <laughs> great bro become a dinosaur rancher yeah. that's, a, that's a great that's a great profession i would love to be a dinosaur Look, rancher. i've got plans i've got plans of being a winery a, a, a brewery david hold and a on hold ranch. on if you start becoming a dinosaur ranch i feel like we're fucking this is how tiger king started this is exactly how it started well, two guys are like yo you can just get a bunch of fucking tigers and saying, then all i'm saying man is there is a co-op mode we can go in on this together get in on the ground floor you have a switch gonna, i have a switch let's go. i don't like this no i don't like this you're let's gonna go. start tranking those dinosaurs to do your fucking weird propaganda videos and you're gonna want to take down carol baskins or whatever the fuck her name is yeah and yeah. Then, then you're gonna feed your significant other to a dinosaur david this is bad this is a slippery slope but it's a slope i'm on so here we go <laughs> <laughs> i still haven't seen tiger king and i probably won't oh please watch it i don't know i'm just not interested for some reason it is an ongoing crime that no one is investigating, and every single then person in it is complicit. It, then why am I going to watch it for entertainment? That's just going to frustrate me. <laughs> oh, it's great! You got to watch. You got to watch it, David. I need you to watch this. We need to do an episode on the story of uh, Tiger. I don't know I need about that. You, David, please watch it. I need you to say. I need you to agree to me right now that you're going to watch it. Uh, I'll. We'll see. Okay, here's what I'll do. I'll either watch it or I will watch the equivalent amount of time that it does in youtube reviews of it and, no, then, and then we will talk about it sit down with your significant <laughs> other watch it with michelle she's gonna love it you're already cat people now just take that cat and make it bigger and bigger and bigger all right all right i think okay. you might sympathize with him i don't think that that's the lesson i want to take away from it you're a cat person tiny cats are the same as big cats they all eat you when you die <laughs> well, i know that all right well let's get to it all right, David, let's go. Let's go. Here we go. <laughs> Prince of the Popper. We're in the middle. We're in the thick of it. Chapter 21, Hendon to the rescue. Hell yeah. The old man glided away, stooping, stealthy, cat-like, and brought, and brought the low bench. Just he like seated... Tiger King, because he's cat-like. <laughs> he seated himself upon it, half his body in the dim, flickering light, the other half in shadow. And so, with his craving eyes bent upon the slumbering boy, he kept his patient, patient vigil there, heedless of the drift of time, and softly whetted his knife, and mumbled and chuckled, and in aspect and attitude he resembled nothing so much as a grisly, monstrous spider gloating over some hapless insect that lay bound and helpless in his web. 
After a long while, the old man, who was still gazing, yet not seeing, his mind having settled into a dreamy abstraction, observed on a sudden that the boy's eyes were open, wide open and staring, staring up in frozen horror at the knife. The smile of a gratified devil crept over the old man's face, and he said, without changing his attitude or his occupation, "'Son of Henry VIII, hast thou prayed?' The boy struggled helplessly in his bonds and at the same time forced a smothered sound through his closed jaws, which you remember he like tied shut with a rag or a whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thong, I forgot I that his head that. was tied. I yeah. forgot that his head was tied the way that everybody with a toothache looked yeah, like yeah, yeah. in the 40s. <laughs> <laughs> why exactly. did you do – why did they treat their jaws like a broken don't arm? Move it. I never, just look. If your tooth hurts, just don't move it for a while. I guess you just tie yourself up like a fucking present. <laughs> Uh, same time forced a smothered sound through his closed jaws, which the hermit chose to interpret as an affirmative answer to his question. Then pray again. Pray the prayer for the dying. A shudder shook the boy's frame as his face blenched, which I think maybe is the old-timey way to spell blanched. Ooh, maybe. Or maybe he maybe he looks like Starlight Kate Blanchett. Like, it's just like a blanched looking on his face. Blenched. To make a sudden flinching movement out of fear or pain, so... Is it a blench when you're uh, getting a blowjob while taking a shit in a park? <laughs> it's called a blench? <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I might be confusing with a blumpkin. I apologize. I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> Sierra quietly from the other room went, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell our parents. Good thing this is your show. Uh, all right. <laughs> Uh, then he struggled again to free himself, turning and twisting himself this way and that, tugging frantically, fiercely, desperately, but uselessly to burst his feathers. Fetters, not feathers. His feathers are fine. What about his feathers, David? I don't want his, his feathers to are get fine. His up. feathers remain unbursted. Okay, great. All the while, the old ogre smiled down upon him and nodded his head and placidly wetted his knife, mumbling from time to time, The moments are precious. They are few and precious. Pray the prayer for the dying. The boy uttered a despairing groan and ceased his struggles, panting. The tears came then and trickled one after the other down his face, but this piteous sight wrought no softening effect upon the savage man. The dawn was coming now. The hermit observed it and spoke up sharply with a touch of nervous apprehension in his voice. I may not indulge this ecstasy longer. The night is already gone. It seems but a moment, only a moment, would it had endured a year. Seed of the church's spoiler, close thy perishing eyes, and thou fearest to look upon... The rest was lost in inarticulate mutterings. The old man sank upon his knees, his knife in his hand, and bent himself over the moaning boy. Is he not going to do it, or he is going to do it? The old man, like, is He's like... going to do it. Okay. Yeah. He's okay. telling but him, he's like, like, say the prayer for the dying. You're about to die. Take your last moments and pray. And then he's sort of just now gone off on a mumbling sort of tirade that the boy can't even really understand what he's talking about now. But it's basically yeah, the boy all also just like, give a shit. Okay. yeah, but it's all just sort of mumbling around the like, I was supposed to be Pope. You, your father destroyed the church, blah, 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 blah. Got it, got yeah. it, got it, got it. Hark. There was a sound of voices near the cabin. The knife dropped from the hermit's hand. He cast a sheepskin over the boy and started up, trembling. The sounds increased, and presently the voices became rough and angry. Then came He did ruin the church! He created the Church of England. He broke off from Catholicism because they wouldn't give him all the divorces. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's... Ooh, what a fun historical little... <laughs> like, a, like a Tarantino. Yeah. Like a yeah. little revisionist history. Yeah, okay, like, keep going. Hmm, how would a monk have felt about that? How would that? the ex-pope thought no, about it? No, it was a monk who said that... An, uh, 
that an angel or God told him he was going to be Pope. Right, but then everything got fucked up by Henry VIII. Because he was getting blenches in the park. The sounds increased, and presently the voices became rough and angry. Then came blows and cries for help. Then a clatter of swift footsteps retreating. Immediately came a succession of thundering knocks upon the cabin door, followed by... Hello, oh, oh, open and dispatch in the name of all the devils. Oh, this is it was... an owl man? Is that why he made so many different oh, oh, oh's noises? This was the blessedest sound that ever made music in the king's ears, for it was Miles Hendon's voice. Hooray! He just happened to check this little weird hole in the ground well, and he found like, them. He had like a fight with somebody outside just now. Yeah. The hermit grinding his teeth in impotent rage, moved swiftly out of the bedchamber, closing the door behind him, and straight away the king heard a talk, to this effect, proceeding from the chapel, quote-unquote. Homage and greeting, reverend sir. Where is the boy? My boy. What boy, friend? What boy? Lie me no lies, What boyfriend? Whose boyfriend is there, David? Play me no deceptions. I am not in the humor for it. Near to this place, I caught the scoundrels who I judged did steal him from me, and I made them confess. They said he was at large again, and they had tracked him to your door. They showed me his very footprints. Now, palter no more, for look you, holy sir, and thou produce him not. Where is the boy? Oh, good sir, perventure you mean the ragged regal vagrant that tarried here the night. If such as you take an interest in such as he, know then that I have sent him of an errand. He will be back anon. He's hogtied inside, just squirming and squiggling, going, How soon? How soon? Come, waste not the time. Cannot I overtake him? How soon will he be back? Thou needs not, sir. He will return quickly. So be it. I will try to wait. But stop. You sent him of an errand? You, verily, this is a lie. He would not go. He would pull thy old beard, and thou didst offer such insolence. Thou hast lied, friend. Thou hast surely lied. He would not go for thee, nor for any man. A beard puller. I, I well, would never think to fight somebody and pull their beard. <laughs> well, he's just saying, like, this kid who fancies himself the king wouldn't just, like, go run an errand for some old hermit. Right, right, because right? he's a beard, yeah, he's he'd a beard be like, pooler. He'd be like, fuck you, I'm the king. Like, the way that he treated Miles, it's like, he's always going to treat everybody, right? David, next time you ask me to do something you don't want to do, I'm just going <laughs> to grab that beard of yours and say, no, David, no, I'm not doing it. Uh, so he said, he would not go for thee, nor for any man. Ah, for any man, no, haply not. But I am not a man. What? Now in God's name, what art thou then? He's going to tell him he's an archangel, and this guy's going to whip out a sword and run him through. He's going to go, no dope, never mind, not dealing with this shit. It is a secret. Mark thou reveal it not. I am an archangel. There was a tremendous ejaculation from Miles Hendon. Not altogether altogether unprofane. Followed by... This doth well and truly account for his complacence. Right, while I knew he would not budge nor hand nor foot in the menial service of any mortal, but, Lord, even a king must obey when an archangel gives the word of command. Let me... Shh. What noise was that? All this while, the, the little king had been yonder, alternately quaking with terror and trembling with hope, and all the while, too, he had thrown all the strength he could into his anguished moanings, constantly expecting them to reach Hendon's ear. But also, but always realizing with bitterness that they failed, or at least made no impression. So this last remark of his uh, of his servant came as comes a reviving breath from fresh fields to the dying, and he exerted himself once more and with all of his energy, just as the hermit was saying, "Noise! I only heard the wind." Mayhap it was. Yes, doubtless that doubtless that it was. I have been hearing it faintly all the 
There it is again. It's not the wind. What an odd sound. Come, we will hunt it out. Now the king's joy was nearly insupportable. His tired lungs did their utmost, and hopefully too, but the sealed jaws and muffling sheepskin sadly crippled the effort. Then the poor I'm so fellow... happy that Miles yeah. is so uh, inquisitive. I will let you know he is awful to invite to your home, though. Oh, because like every couldn't... little thing, he, he would just go. He's you know what? Can he's I be... never had a sur- he's never had a surprise birthday party. I'm never be, once. I'm gonna be very honest with you. He reminds me a little bit of you. What do you mean? <laughs> he's very focused. Like when he when he when something comes up and he's like, "Oh, this is the thing I'm thinking about now." He like fucking figures that thing out and then moves on to the next. I thought you were going to say he gets easily frustrated by audio problems that then ruin the rest of his morning. Uh, I mean, also, I guess you're... also he's great at thwapping people with the flat end of a sword. That's true, and I'm also pretty good at that. I've been practicing a lot in quarantine. <laughs> Uh, where did, where were we, where were we? Um, uh, then the poor fellow's heart sank to hear the hermit say, Ah, it came from without. I think from the cops yonder. Come, I will lead the way. The king heard the two pass out talking, heard their footsteps die quickly away. Then he was alone with a boding, brooding, awful silence. It seemed an age till he heard the steps and voices approaching again, and this time he heard an added sound, the trampling of hooves, apparently. And then he heard Hendon say... I will not wait any longer. I cannot wait any longer. He has lost his way in this thick wood. Which direction took he? Quick, point it out to me. He... But wait, I will go with thee. Good, good. Why, truly art thou better than thy looks. Mary, I do not think there is not another archangel with so right a heart as thine. Wilt ride? Wilt take wee donkey that's for my boy? Or wilt thou fork thy holy legs over this ill-conditioned slave of a mule that I have provided for myself? And had been cheated in, too. He had cost but the indifferent sum of a month's usury on a brass farthing to let a tinker out of work. Basically, I have he a mule. He got a bad horse. Yeah, he's <laughs> he, not he having... got a mule and a donkey. And which one would this guy rather ride? And they were way more expensive than they should have been. Uh, listen, I'm too cheap. I wouldn't have bought either one. So this Miles guy is definitely different than me. No, ride thy mule and lead thine ass. I am sure on my own feet and will walk. Then, prithee, mind the little beast for me while I take my life in my hands and make what what success I may towards mounting the big one. Then followed a confusion of kicks, cuffs, tramplings, and plungings, accompanied by a thunderous intermingling of volleyed curses, and finally a bitter apostrophe to the mule, which must have broken its spirit, for hostility seemed to cease from that moment. Oh, (laughs) poor little little animal, poor little guy. (laughs) Eventually they got there. Eventually... With unutterable misery, the fettered little king heard the voices and footsteps fade away and die out. All hope forsook him now. For the moment, a dull despair settled down upon his heart. My only friend is deceived and got rid of, he said. The hermit will return and... He finished with a gasp and at once fell to struggling so frantically with his bonds again that he shook off the smothering sheepskin. And now he heard the door open. The sound chilled him to the marrow. Already he seemed to feel the knife at his throat. Horror made him close his eyes. Horror made him open them again. And before him stood... Miles! John Canty and Hugo. Oh no! His father, the piece of shit dad! He would have said, thank God, if his jaws had been free. A moment or two later, his limbs were at liberty, and his captors, each gripping him by an arm, were hurrying him with all speed through the forest. Oh no, Miles, you were so close. Chapter 22. Chapter 22, what a cliffhanger. Keep going. Chapter 22 is called The Pursuit. A victim of treachery. Oh, okay. Basically, The Pursuit. 
Once more, King Fufu I was roving with the tramps and outlaws, a butt for their coarse jests and dull-witted ra uh, railleries, and sometimes the victim of small spitefulness at the hands of Canty and Hugo when the ruffler's back was turned. FYI, when yeah. we see all of the uh, all the ruffians go by, the very last one is Charlie Champlet. Uh, Charlie Champlet, <laughs> just him, just <laughs> like he's the very last one. He's never directly involved with any of this, but in all of these group shots, just picture Charlie in, Champlet somewhere in there, it, and it works out fine. There's going to be a moment in a second where um, uh, you'll see, but like there's the group of them are doing something. Um, and I just want in the shot of that for the movie that this is, just one of the reaction shots to really quickly be him, like responding to something and then moving on. All right. Okay. Uh, none but Canty and Hugo really disliked him. Some of the others liked him and all admired his pluck and spirit. During two or three days, uh, Hugo, in whose ward in charge the king was, did what he covertly could to make the boy uncomfortable, and at night, during the customary orgies, he amused the company by putting small indignities upon him, always as if by accident. That's Twice. not the way you treat people at orgies, David. <laughs> no, you have no. to get permission. You, you can't just fuck respect. with people. It's respect and consent. That's right. Respect and consent. <laughs> uh, twice he stepped upon the king's toes, accidentally. And the king, as became his royalty, was contemptuously unconscious of it and indifferent to it. But the third time Hugo entertained himself in that way, the king felled him to the ground with a cudgel to the prodigious delight of the tribe. Hugo, consumed with anger and shame, sprang up, seized a cudgel, and came at his small adversary in a fury. Instantly, a ring was formed around the gladiators, and the betting and cheering began. So that's where and, I want a reaction shot of Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> and a cudgel is like a, like a, a, a scythe? No, it's oh, a okay. small club. Like a okay. stick or a club, yeah. Dun, 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 now we're yeah. in an action yeah, scene. Yeah, so now they're all in a circle going, fight, 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 fight. And people are betting and cheering. Where's our king? The the ruffler? Uh, this, I believe, was um, when when the ruffler's back was turned. Like, John Canty and Hugo, like, do small little shit to him when the main guy isn't looking because everyone else kind of likes him, but they fucking hate this kid, right? Okay. Uh, but poor Hugo stood no chance whatsoever. His frantic and lubberly prentice work found but a poor market for itself when pitted against an arm which had been trained by the first masters of Europe in single stick, quarter staff, and every art and trick of swordsmanship. The little king stood, alert but at graceful ease, and Cotton turned aside the thick rain of blows with a facility and precision which set the motley onlookers wild with admiration, and every now and then, with his practiced eye detecting an opening, and a lightning-swift rap upon Hugo's head followed as a result, the storm of cheers and laughter that swept the place was something wonderful to hear. At the end of fifteen minutes, which is a long fucking fight, like, fifteen minutes is a long time to be, like, scuffling with someone. Yeah, and it means that they probably, it's probably more like a Japanese wrestling match. They probably got into some, like, submission holds and, like, oh, he's holding <laughs> them on the ground and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, At the end that's of 15 how they minutes, would do it. Hugo, all battered, bruised, and the target for a pitiless bombardment of ridicule, slunk from the field, and the unscathed hero of the fight was seized and borne aloft upon the shoulders of the joyous rabble to the place of honor beside the ruffler, where the vast ceremony, uh, where the, with vast ceremony, he was crowned king of the game. Cox, his meter title. You know, it's a great title to have at the orgy. Uh, it's a good, it's a very good title. Gamecocks is my name in World of Warcraft. <laughs> the king of the Gamecocks. Uh, uh -huh. Gamecocks should be your guild, and then you could be king of the Gamecocks. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, we're taking submissions, so if you'd like yeah. to join, just send us an email uh, and a pick. 
Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his meaner title being at the same time solemnly canceled and annulled, and a decree of banishment from the gang pronounced against any who should thenceforth utter it. So you can't call him King Fufu the First anymore, or you'll get kicked out of the group. Right. Well, says so says the Gamecocks. Yeah. All attempts to make the king serviceable to the troop had failed. He had stubbornly refused to act. Moreover, he was always trying to escape. He had been thrust into an unwatched kitchen the first day of his return. He not only came forth empty-handed, but tried to rouse the housemates. He was sent out with a tinker to help him at his work. He would not work. Moreover, he threatened the tinker with his own soldering iron, and finally both Hugo and the tinker found their hands full with the mere matter of keeping his from getting away. He delivered the thunders of his royalty upon the heads of all who hampered his liberties or tried to force him to service. He was sent out in Hugo's charge in company with a slatternly woman and a diseased baby to beg, but the result was not encouraging. He declined to plead for the mendicants or be party to their cause in any way. He's a terrible beggar. He doesn't want to beg. Do he he won't do it. Every single time they try to make him go out there, he always is just like, oh, you give your money somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, thus several days went by and the miseries of this, of this tramping life and the weariness and sordidness and meanness and vulgarity of it became gradually and steadily so intolerable to the captive that he began at last to feel that his release from the hermit's knife must prove only a temporary respite from death at best. But at night in his dreams, these things were forgotten and he was on his throne and master again. This, of course, intensified the sufferings of the awakening. So, the mortifications of each succeeding morning of the few that passed between his return to bondage and the combat with Hugo grew bitterer and bitterer and harder and harder to bear. The morning after that combat, Hugo got up with a heart filled with vengeful purposes against the king. He had two plans in particular. One was to inflict upon the lad what would be, to his proud spirit and imagined royalty, a peculiar humilia humiliation. And if he failed to accomplish this, his other plan was to put a crime of some kind upon the king and then betray him to the implacable clutches of the law. This is awful. This is all awful. He's either going to get poop on him or he's going to go to a jail and then have poop on him. Don't do this is bad. He really messed up with this Hugo. In pursuance of the first plan, he purposed to put a climb up uh, spelled C-L-I-M-E upon the king's leg. Lightly judging that it would mortify him to the last and perfect degree, and as soon as the climb should operate, he meant to get Canty's help and force the king to expose his leg in the highway and beg for alms. Now, at this point, I was like, what the is fuck a is a climb? A sp is a spider? No, see? So I thought, that's what it sounded like. Because I was like, what the fuck? So I started trying to look it up, and I'm searching, and I can't fucking find it, right? I just can't figure it out. Okay. And everything I can find is like, oh, it mentions it in Mark Twain's, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but I can't find it. A lot of things are like, the definition means I climb it. Like, you reach warmer climbs. And I'm like, no, no that's, not, that's it. not that's not it. If I had read one more sentence in this book, Mark Twain has my back. Oh, okay. Climb was the cant term for a sore, artificially created. To make a climb, the operator made a paste or poultice of unslaked lime, soap, and the rust of old iron, and spread it Ooh. upon a piece of leather, which was then oh. bound tightly upon the leg. And that's it's lime. acid. Yeah, that's lime like lime, not the fruit. Yeah, they would yeah. make a fucking bondage, and then it would burn everywhere that it was. This would presently fret off the skin and make the flesh raw and angry-looking. Blood was then rubbed upon the limb, which, being fully dried, took on a dark and repulsive color. Then a bandage of soiled rags was put on in a cleverly careless way, which would allow the hideous ulcer to be seen and move the compassion of the passers-by. Okay, Isn't that gross? so if you, <laughs> so if he won't 
play ball with them. They're going to give make, him They'll swords. physically deform him to then make people feel bad for him. So that he can then pull in some money for the gang. Yeah. And that this is something that he's done other times before. Yeah, because this, this, is, this is like, like a, a trick of the trade. Yeah. Yeah, this is like a trick of the trade. This is just what Charlie Chaplin knew in the back of his fucking head. Gross. Yeah. yeah. Hugo got the help of the tinker whom the king had cowed with the soldering iron. They took the boy out on a tinkering tramp, and as soon as they were out of sight of the camp, they threw him down and the tinker held him while Hugo bound the poultice tight and fast upon his leg. The king raged and stormed and promised to hang the two the moment the scepter was in his hand again. He's a beard puller. If they have beards, he's going to grab them. But they kept a firm grip upon him and enjoyed his impotent struggling and jeered at his threats. This continued until the poultice began to bite, and in no long time its work would have been perfected if there had been no interruption. But there was, for about this time, the slave who had made the speech denouncing England's laws appeared on the scene and put an end to the enterprise and stripped off the poultice and bandage. The king wanted to borrow his deliverer's cudgel and warm the jackets of the two rascals on the spot, but the man said no, it would bring trouble. Leave the matter till night, the whole tribe being together, then the outside world would not venture to interfere or interrupt. He marched the party back to camp and reported the affair to the ruffler, who listened, pondered, like a and then... like a fucking like a gang, like a mafia, like hey, hey we don't what's do going on? we don't we don't do family business here. We, we gotta settle do... this in front of the group. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Don't, we, don't, we don't need to get normies and muggles involved Hey, in Ruffler, this. listen to what I just found going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, who listened, pondered, and then decided that the king should not be again de be detailed to beg, since it was plain he was worthy of something higher and better. Wherefore, on the spot, he promoted him from the mendicant rank and appointed him to steal. Hugo was overjoyed. He had already tried to make the king steal and failed, and there would be no more trouble of that sort now, for of course the king would not dream of defying a distinct command delivered directly from headquarters. So he planned a raid for that afternoon, purposing to get the king in the law's grip in the course of it, and to do it, too, with such ingenious strategy that it should seem to be accidental and unintentional, for the king of Gamecocks was popular now, and the gang might not deal over gently with an unpopular member who played so serious a treachery upon him as the delivering him over to the common enemy, the law. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's such a long way to say the plan that we all figured out the moment he said it. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's different for everybody. <laughs> Very well. All in good time, Hugo strolled off to a neighboring village with his prey, and the two drifted slowly up and down one street after another, the one watching sharply for a sure chance to achieve his evil purpose, the other watching as sharply for a chance to dart away and get free of his infamous captivity forever. Both threw away some tolerably fair-looking opportunities, for both, in their secret hearts, were resolved to make absolutely sure work this time, and neither meant to allow his fevered desires to, to seduce him into any venture that had much uncertainty about it. Hugo's chance came first. For at last, a woman approached who carried a fat package of some sort in a basket. <laughs> Yo, David, what's in that fat that lady's package got a fat in that package, basket? Yeah. I know. And she got a badunkadunk on her. I know. Uh, Hugo's eyes sparkled with sinful pleasure as he said to himself, Breath of my life, and I can be put that upon him. Tis good den, and God keep thee, king of the Gamecocks. He waited and watched, outwardly patient, but inwardly consuming with excitement, till the woman had passed by, and the time was ripe, and then he said, in a low voice, Tarry till I come again, and darted stealthily after the prey. The king's heart was filled with joy. He could make his escape now if Hugo's quest only carried him far enough away. But I picture was, him running like a raptor, like yeah. a raaah, like he's <laughs> as fast as he can after her. But he was to have no such luck. 
Hugo crept behind the woman, snatched the package, and came running back, wrapping it in an old piece of blanket which he carried on his arm. The hue and cry was raised in a moment by the woman who knew her loss by the lightning of her burden, although she had not seen the pilfering done. Hugo thrust the bundle into the king's hands without halting, saying, Now speed ye after me and rest, cry, Stop thief, but mind ye lead them astray. The next moment, Hugo turned a corner and darted down a crooked alley, and in another moment or two he lounged into view again, looking innocent and indifferent, and took up a position behind a post to watch results. The insulted king threw the bundle on the ground, and the blanket fell away from it just as the woman arrived with an augmenting crowd at her heels, and she seized the king's wrist in one hand and snatched up her bundle with the other and began to pour out a tirade of abuse upon the boy while, uh, while he struggled, without success, to free himself from her grip. When I get thirsty, I always reach for a tirade of abuse. It always <laughs> quenches me and goes down well. And now, from the makers of tirade of abuse, tirade <laughs> of abuse light. <laughs> I like tirade. I like a tirade of abuse. Uh, a zero. <laughs> it has, it has no, <laughs> no sugar. No sugar. Tirade of abuse. Zero tolerance. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, Hugo had seen enough. His enemy was captured and the law would get him now, so he slipped away, jubilant and chuckling, the wend and wended campwards, framing a judicious version of the matter to give the ruffler's crew as he strode along. The king continued to struggle in the woman's strong grasp, and now and then cried out in vexation, Unhand me, thou foolish creature! It was not I that bereaved thee of thy paltry goods! The crowd closed around, and threatening the king and calling him names, a brawny blacksmith in leather apron and sleeves rolled to his elbows, made a reach for him, saying he would trounce him well for a lesson. But just then, a long sword flashed in the air and fell with convincing force upon the man's arm, flat side down, the fantastic owner of it remarking pleasantly, at the same time, Merry good souls, let us proceed gently, not with ill blood and uncharitable words. This is the matter for the law's consideration, not private and unofficial handling. Loose thy hold from the boy, good wife. The is this Miles? The blacksmith averaged the stalwart soldier with a glance and then went muttering away, rubbing his arm. The woman. Can we talk about this piece of shit blacksmith that just goes around looking to punish children? <laughs> I'll beat the shit out of that kid. What did he do? Tried to steal. Yeah. The woman released the boy's wrist reluctantly. The crowd eyed the stranger unlovingly, but prudently closed their mouths. The king sprang to his deliverer's side with flushed cheeks and sparkling eyes, exclaiming, Thou hast lagged sorely, but thou comest in good season now, Sir Miles. Carve me this rabble to rags. Oh my god, kill this lady. Chapter 23. What? After the bloodshed. Jesus Christ, is that no, really no, what it's called? That's not what it's called, no. Is it called Kill That Bitch? The I mean, Murder he's... of Crowds. No, it is not. It is, uh, okay. chapter 23 is called The Prince a Prisoner. Well, okay. Okay. So I think what's either, he's either going to get imprisoned by the ruffians again, or he'll actually be in prison. But I wonder if he actually should go to the law because eventually they'd send him they'd like he'd be crazy and they'd send him back to the city and then eventually doesn't the king just see all these crazy people like that witch lady like wouldn't the other real king eventually <laughs> see him i don't know how the judicial system works they'd be marching him through town and the king would be like what's going on and they'd be like we're gonna go hang this kid because he says he's actually the king and, and the he'd be, like, would be That's like oh the shit <laughs> i'm just trying to figure out how we get out of this like little middle this town loop? of nowhere and yeah. he has nothing right and now yeah, well, and he has there. Hendon now, so I'm like, I was like, okay, cool, uh, he's got Hendon again. And then I got to this chapter, and it was like the Prince of Prisoner, and I was like, oh shit, what? Yeah, what happens to very, Hendon then? This like, is a very <laughs> short interlude. Okay. 
Uh, so the last thing he said is, Thou hast lagged sorely, but thou comest in good season now, Sir Miles. Carve me this rabble to rags. Yeah, carve that lady up like a turkey. All right. Uh, Hendon forced back a smile and bent down and whispered in the king's ear, Softly, softly, my prince, wag thy tongue warily. Nay, suffer it not to wag at all. Trust in me and all shall go well in the end. Then he added to himself, Sir Miles, bless me, I had totally forgot. I was a knight. Lord, how marvelous a thing it is. The grip his memory doth take upon the quaint and crazy fancies. An empty foolish title is mine, yet it is something to have deserved it, for I think it is more honor to be held worthy to be a specter knight in his kingdom of dreams and shadows than to be held base enough to be an earl in some of the real kingdoms of this world. The crowd fell apart to admit a constable who approached and was about to lay his hand upon the king's shoulder when Hendon said, Gently, good friend, withhold your hand. He shall go peaceably. I am responsible for that. Lead on and we will follow. The officer led. With the woman and her bundle, Miles and the king See, followed her. I think Miles has the same idea. The safest place for this kid is going to be behind bars and he can like <laughs> chill outside and make sure nobody comes inside. Uh, Miles and the king followed after, with the crowd at their heels. The king was inclined to rebel, but Hendon uh, said to him in a low voice, Reflect, sire, your laws are the wholesome breath of your own royalty. Shall their source resist them, yet require the branches to respect them? Apparently, one of these laws has been broken. When the king is on his throne again, can it ever grieve him to remember when he was seemingly a private person, he loyally sank the king in, in the citizen and submitted to its authority? Thou art right, say no more. Thou shalt see that what whatsoever the king of England requires a subject to suffer, under the law, he will himself suffer while he holdeth the station of a subject. Some real fucking indoctrination shit of being Look, like, if I you're guess the king I, and laws come from you, shouldn't when you're not the king, you obey the laws? I guess you're right. These shitty laws gotta <laughs> apply to me right now. I'm a private fucking person. It's shit it sucks yep. to be you. Uh, when the woman was called to testify before the justice of the peace, she swore that the small prisoner at the bar was the person who had committed the theft, and there was none able to show the contrary, so the king stood convicted. The bundle now unrolled, and when the contents proved to be a plump little dressed pig, the judge looked troubled, whilst Hendon turned pale, and his body was thrilled with, with an electric shiver of dismay. But the king remained unmoved, protected by his ignorance. The judge meditated during an ominous pause, and then turned to the woman with the question... What dost thou hold this property to be worth? The woman curt curtsied and replied, Three shillings and eight pence, your worship. I could not abate a penny and set forth the value honestly. The justice glanced around uncomfortably upon the crowd, then nodded to the constable and said, Clear the court and close the doors. It was done. None remained but the two officials, the accused, the accuser, and Miles Hendon. This latter was rigid and colorless. On his forehead, big drops of cold sweat gathered, broke and blended together, and trickled down his face. The judge turned to the woman again and said in a compassionate voice, "'Tis a poor, ignorant lad, and mayhap was driven hard by hunger, for these be grievous times for the unfortunate, mark you. He hath not an evil face, but when hunger driveth, good woman, dost know that when one steals a thing above the value of thirteen pence, half penny, the law say he shall hang for it?' So, like, this thing oh. turned out to be a higher crime than we thought. Just because of the value of her The value pigs. of the pig was more than capital offense. So now the, the law judge, says we yeah, have yeah. to do and it. And the judge is going to be like, yo, can you say it's 13p and Dude, then we'll pay you? You should write. you should write books. <laughs> what is the, hold on. What is the judge going to do? Also, right, I like that. Go. I also, it's interesting that 
Mark Twain. I, I'm glad that the judge is a sympathetic character, but it's yeah. also being like, yo, trust the law. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's trust the law, David. What's the law going to do? So the so the judge just said that he has to hang for it if it's that much, to which that's the first that the prince knew about that, right? The little king started, wide-eyed with consternation, but controlled himself and held his peace, but not so the woman. She sprang to her feet, shaking with fright, and cried out, Oh, good lack, what have I done? God of mercy, I would not hang the poor thing for a whole world. Oh, save me from this, your worship. What shall I do? What can I do? The justice maintained his judicial composure and simply said, Doubtless, it is allowable to revise the value since it is not yet writ upon the record. Yo, this judge, this judge working the system. Then in God's name, call the pig eight pence, and heaven bless the day that I freed my conscience of this awesome thing. Miles Hendon forgot all decorum in his delight and surprised the king and wounded his dignity by throwing his arms around him and hugging him. The, the woman... king's real lucky that she's not bloodthirsty like yeah. that blacksmith outside. Yeah. That blacksmith would have killed this guy and would have felt fine doing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. The woman made her grateful adieu and started away with her pig, and when the constable opened the door for her, he followed her out into the narrow hall. The justice proceeded to write in his record book, Hendon, always alert, as you pointed out earlier. Uh, you said something about how like no one would be able to have a surprise party? Uh, yeah. Like, if you were Hendon? Uh, right, so here we go. Hendon, always alert, thought he would like to know why the officer followed the woman out, so he slipped softly into the dusky hall and listened. He heard a conversation to this effect. It is a fat pig and promises good eating. I will buy it off thee. Here is the eight pence. Eight pence indeed. Thou do no such thing. It cost me three shillings and eight pence. Good honest coin of the last reign. That old hen uh, that old Harry that's just dead ne'er touched or tampered with. A fig for thy eight pence. Stands the wind in that quarter? Thou wast under oath and so swore falsely. Why not thou said the value was but eight pence? Come straightway back with me before his worship and answer for the crime. Then the lad will hang. There, there, dear heart, say no more. I am content. Give me the eight pence and hold thy peace about the matter. Yo, she's getting shaken down. She is. She's getting shaken down for that pig, that piece yep. of shit cop. Yep. The woman went off crying. Hendon slipped back into the courtroom, and the constable presently followed after hiding his prize in some convenient place. The justice wrote that wrote a while longer, and then read the king a wise and kindly lecture, and then sentenced him to a short imprisonment in the common jail to be followed by a public flogging. The astounded king opened his mouth and was probably going to order that the good judge be beheaded on the spot, but he caught a warning sign from Hendon and succeeded in closing his mouth again before he lost anything out of it. Hendon took him by the hand now and made reverence to the justice, and the two departed in the wake of the constable toward the jail. The moment the street was reached, the inflamed monarch halted, snatched his hand, and exclaimed, Idiot! Dost imagine I will enter a common jail alive? Hendon bent down and said, somewhat sharply, Will you trust me? peace and forbear to worsen our chances with dangerous speech what god wills will happen thou canst not hurry it thou canst not alter it therefore wait and be patient twill be time enough to rail or rejoice when what is to happen has happened chapter 24 oh boy okay they're going so fast now okay that was uh so what's going on the constable shook down that woman for the pig, which is a shitty thing to do. And Miles knows about it. And Miles knows about it. The kid got his sentence reduced to a short time in the jail and then a public flogging. And now they're following that shitty cop to the jail to have him be admitted. And the kid's like, I'm not going to fucking go to jail. And Miles is like, just 
trust me. What's going to happen is going to happen and just take it as it comes, basically. All right. Yep. Uh, this chapter is called The Getaway or oh. A Daring Escape or what? Jailhouse Rock. Are you ready? Here we go. Chapter 24, The Escape. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> Miles is gonna Miles is gonna get this kid out of this sh- little shit hole town. Everyone's gonna be fine, but like he's gotta he's gotta play this smart. Good shit. The short winter day was nearly ended. The streets were deserted, save for a oh, few it's ran- winter time. Yeah. It's a short winter day. Yeah. It's gonna get dark soon. Save for a few random stragglers, and these hurried straight along with the intent look of people who are only anxious to accomplish their errands as quickly as possible, and then snugly house themselves from the rising wind and gathering twilight. They looked neither to the right nor left, they paid no attention to our party, and they did not even seem to see them. Edward VI wondered if the spectacle of a king on his way to jail had ever encountered such a marvelous indifference before. By and by, the constable arrived at the deserted market square and proceeded to cross it. When he had reached the middle of it, Hendon laid his hand upon his arm and said in a low voice, Bide a moment, good sir, there is none in hearing, and I would say a word to thee. My duty forbids it, sir. Prithee, hinder me not, the night comes on. Stay, nevertheless, for the matter concerns thee nearly. Turn thy back a moment and seem to s- seem not to see. Let this poor lad escape. This to me, sir. I'll arrest thee in... Nay, not be too hasty. See, thou be careful and commit no foolish error. And then he shut his voice down to a whisper and said in the man's ear, The pig thou hast purchased for eight pence may cost thee thy neck, man. The poor constable, taken by surprise, was speechless at first, and then found his tongue and fell to blustering, threatening. But Hendon was tranquil and waited with patience till his breath was spent, and then said, I have That's a what happens when you become a dirty cop. The moment you involve yourself in these things, you've been compromised. You yeah. have no moral standing, and now you can be, like, just fucked with. I have a liking to thee, friend, and would not willingly see thee come to harm. Observe, I heard it all, every word. I will prove it to thee. And then he repeated the conversation which the officer and the woman had together in the hall, word for word, and ended with, There, have I set it forth correctly? Should I not be able to set it forth correctly before the judge, if occasion required? The man was dumb with fear and distress for a moment, and then he rallied and said with forced lightness, "'Tis making a mighty manner indeed out of a jest. I but plagued the woman for mine amusement. Ah, kept you the woman's pig for amusement?" The Oof. man answered sharply, "'Not else, good sir. I, I tell thee, twas but a jest.' "'I do begin to believe thee,' said Hendon, with perplexing mixture of mockery and half-conviction in his tone. "'But tarry thou here a moment whilst I run and ask his worship. For Nathless, he being a man experienced in law, in jests, in... He was moving away, still talking. The constable hesitated, fidgeted, spat out an oath or two, and then cried, Hold, hold, good sir, prithee, wait a little. The judge, why, man, he hath no more sympathy with a jest than hath a dead corpse. Come, and we will speak further. Ode's body, I seem to be an evil case, and all for an innocent and thoughtless pleasantry. I am a man of family, a man of wife and little ones. Listen to reason, good your worship. What wouldst thou of me? Only that thou be blind and dumb and paralytic, whilst one may count a hundred thousand, counting slowly, <laughs> said Hendon, with the expression of a man who asks but a reasonable, reasonable favor and a very little one. It is my destruction, said the constable despairingly. Ah, be reasonable, good sir. Only look at this matter on all its sides and see how mere a jest it was, how manifestly and how plainly it is so. 
and even if one granted it were not a jest, it is a fault so small that even the grimmest penalty could call forth would be but a rebuke and a warning from the judge's lips. Hendon replied uh, with solemnity which chilled the air about him. This jest of thine hath a name in law. What you know that is? I knew it not. Perventure I have been unwise. I never dreamed it had a name. Ah, sweet heaven, I thought it was original. Yes, it hath a name. In the law, this crime is called Non Compos Mentis Lex Talionis Sic Transit Gloria Mundi. That's my favorite Harry Potter spell. I, I <laughs> looked it up. Is it a real law? Uh, well, can you Harry a Mundus somebody? So what the does that actual mean? translation, like just a little translation, is like not of sound mind, the law of retaliation, thus passes the glory of this world. Basically, oh. he's just speaking Latin to sound fancy. Okay, yeah, so he, didn't say he just is bullshitting him. Great. Yeah. I'm down, I'm down, I'm totally down yeah, for yeah. some bullshit. Let's oh go. Oh my god. And the penalty Bullshit is totally and the penalty fine. is death. God be merciful to me, a sinner. By advantage taken of one in fault, in dire peril and at thy mercy, thou hast seized goods worth above thirteen pence half penny, paying but a trifle for the same, and this, in the eye of the law, is constructive barratry, misprison of treason, malfeasance in office, ad hominem expurgatus in status quo, and the penalty... This is some amazing bullshit! This is amazing <laughs> bullshit! The, All of this stuff is great. the penalty is death by the halter, without ransom, commutation, or benefit of clergy. Bear me up, bear me up, sweet sir, my legs do fail me. Be thou merciful, spare me this doom, and I will turn my back and see naught that shall happen. Good, thou art wise now and reasonable, and thou'lt restore the pig? I will, I will indeed, nor ever touch another, though heaven send it and an archangel fetch it. Go, I am blind for thy sake, I see nothing. I will say thou stid break in and wrest the prisoner from my hands by force. It is but a crazy, ancient door. I will batter it down myself betwixt midnight and the morning." Do it, good soul. No harm will come of it. The judge hath a loving charity for this poor lad and will shed no tears and break no jailer's bones for his escape. To be continued. Whoa, what a quick little yeah. interlude where he took that information that he now mm -hmm. knows that that piece of shit and is like, hey, uh, what are you going to do? And he's going to make it look like roughed up or whatever. Yeah. And he took the kid. But why not just say... Why not just say they sneakily broke in or something like that? Um, well, he's going to say that, like, in the nighttime, the door got broken down and he got busted out. And, like, oh, we were surprised in the middle of the night and bah, it happened so fast and whatever. And he's like, ah, it's going to be some kid, whatever the fuck. Like, oh, it's fine. Let him go. Right. And they're going to have a full day ahead or, like, a whole, a whole night, night ahead yeah, yeah, on everybody yeah. to, like, get out mm -hmm. of there. Oh, Miles boy. Endeavor. Okay, things are getting yeah. good. I, I will tell you, though, that I do feel like we have now ended our countryside chapter. It feels that way. I feel like, yeah, I feel like we're going to go either back to his house or we're going yeah. well, you know, to get back to the city somehow. Well, you know, as far as chapters somehow. in the story, we have definitely reached over, like, a, a bit over the halfway point now. Um, so Ooh, we're, okay. so we're, we're like 56%. If we're thinking of a story structure as a there and back again tale, we are probably okay. on our way back again. Okay, good. Good you to think of. Good to think of. I mean, yeah. there, there'll be so other stuff the video the game. We're technically, right now, we're probably on our way to... I haven't read further ahead of this yet. Um, but I would okay. assume that we are, now that we're back together with Hendon, especially, on our way to Hendon Hall. Right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where we can make, formulate a better plan before we, you know, go back to the city and put the king back on his throne. Yeah. Now, 
your microphone is either buzzing just through the call in general in the recording. I, Oof. I okay. Care. It just happened a couple times. If Ooh, it happens in the actual okay. recording, then that's fine. It's going to just sound fucking shitty. I was trying to mess with my settings a that's little okay. bit at the end. Fuck. All right. Let's go to lessons. <laughs> lessons. All right. Lesson I learned is don't fuck with your settings in the middle of a recording. <laughs> David, I think that's a great lesson. I also learned don't fucking steal pigs. Don't be a pig thief. Like in general. Um, sometimes you just got to trust the law. I feel like that's a good lesson. Like sometimes. I feel like it's a lesson. Yes, it can be. But like there's obviously a huge asterisk well, after I that. Of course. Well, the other lesson I learned, as always, is fuck the police. Yeah. Like, fuck that yeah, constable, so, so dude. That's, that's, fuck the that's police. That's huge asterisk, I think, after that. <laughs> the lesson is, is uh, trust, trust the, the law, law asterisk, fuck, fuck the, the police. police. Also, don't trust the law if the law is shitty. Like, like the law said, oh, he has to die because that pig is worth X amount of pence, right? Like, that's a pretty shitty law. Right. And they had to even not trust that law because they had to, like, revise the value of the pig. So, like, it's a very, like, trust the law. But also, as soon as you can stop trusting the law, go ahead and trust yourself. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I think always, of course, the lesson is don't fuck with your audio settings while yeah, that's recording. A, that's a big one. So, I'm Michael Santel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, also, I guess don't, like... <laughs> I'm trying to think of a lesson from Hugo's point of view. He picked a fight with this kid, got his ass beat, and then like tried to get at him again and just kept like backfiring. Don't don't get yeah. revenge. Like just like like listen, sometimes the universe happens and like you shouldn't compare yourself to others. Like why like Hugo, get off that kid. Just be like be your own don't self. Don't get revenge. There's that old saying, remember? Uh was it before you set out on a journey of revenge, dig two graves? Ooh, because one's yeah. for you. Or because you're getting revenge on a pair of people. And so you want to make sure you... <laughs> I don't no, know. It's, I it's, think it's because you it's, die, the too. The saying is because you die, too. But I was making the... Oh, okay. I thought it was because you're like, oh, you got to kill the yeah, husband you gotta and the out, wife. You got to take mean, out the, the revenge and the witness. So you have to... <laughs> yeah, the revenge. And the dogs, probably. If there's the any dogs, dogs, you don't want them to make any noise. Yeah, it's just a big old... Yeah, it's a big death. Yeah, I get it. Just don't get revenge. Don't get revenge, revenge is a dish. <laughs> When you go to the restaurant, don't order the revenge, cold or hot. Just get something well, else. But if you're going to get, get it, some empathy. get it cold. It's best served that way. Yeah, that's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm excited. I I feel like we're – I'm excited to see where yeah. we're going to go. Also, I feel like it's time for the story to flip yeah, back over I, I to – I feel like uh, that too. Uh, I don't know if it does. I imagine like either we break here for a time and go visit the king or we kind of finish up whatever Hendon has got going on. And then move back over to the king. One or the other, something's going yeah. to happen. But I'm excited to see what will happen I know. next. Great. Fun. I've already said my name. Oh. I've already tried to got out of this already. <laughs> I don't know how much this... I don't know what this sounds like anymore. Now I'm all fucking fine, nervous fine, again. Now I'm going to go throw up banana and coffee. Anyway, I'm Michael Santel. <laughs> I'm David Miller. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Storytime. And we'll see you guys next time. All right, bye. bye. Stay safe. Stay safe. Wash your hands. That's our show. Thanks for coming around. Don't be sad. No need to frown. We'll have more stories. Don't throw a fit. Goodbye, one and all, and we'll see you in a bit.